Coming up on the Children's Hour, we're going to learn about one of the most ancient animals to live on Earth, and it is still alive today, lungfish. Our guest, Dr. Irina Salinas, studies lungfish at the University of New Mexico's Department of Biology. She'll explain to us what lungfish are and how they can survive both in the water and on land for years. Lungfish breathe outside the water and they surround themselves in a cocoon when they're on the land. Dr. Salinas has studied that cocoon and its amazing properties. We can't wait to share with you today on the Children's Hour. Stick with us. Children's Hour is produced by the Children's Hour Incorporated. We're a New Mexico nonprofit that's supported by listeners just like you. Learn more about us and find hundreds of podcasts at childrenshour.org. It's time for the Children's Hour. Kids Public Radio. If a fish got the lead role in a movie, what would he be called? I don't know. What? A starfish. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for the children. Kids Public Radio. Let's go fishing for some starfishes. That is, if you can tell me where a starfish lives. Are they up in heaven or underneath the sea? Won't someone please explain that to me? Should we go out in an old rowboat? Or will we only find them with a telescope? Are you supposed to eat them or simply make a wish? And which part is the star and which is fish? Should we fish in the day or night? Can I use a fishing pole or should I try a kite? Here's a dilemma that we must contemplate. Do we use minnows or Tinkerbell for bait? My pot tells me they don't shine that bright. But I would like to get some on my plate tonight. He says that if we're careful not to catch a satellite, then we can have a star fry tonight. or Tinkerbell for bait. My pot tells me they don't shine that bright. But I would like to get some on my plate tonight. He says that if we're careful not to catch a satellite, then we can have a star fry tonight. Satiate our stellar appetites. Let's all go star fishing tonight. That's Green Chili Jam Band right here on the Children's Hour and Oldie But Goodie. I'm Katie Stone, and we're just so happy to be with all of you out in listener land, everyone here on Zoom, and everyone here at the Outpost Performance Space. Hello to our crew. Hello. And who's with us today? Hi, it's Beth. Hello, it's Amadeus. Hi, it's Lily May. Hi, it's Daniel. Hi, it's Max. It's so great you all are here today. Thank you so much. 
Well, we have a show about something I know very little about, lungfish. Now, to me, this sounds like a fish that just looks like a lung. Is that what we're going to learn about? I'm looking over at Amadeus because he's our wild animal expert here. You do know about lungfish, Amadeus? I know a little bit about them. I volunteer at a museum here in Albuquerque that has a lungfish, and um, they don't look exactly like lungs, so I think the name is for a different reason, which I'm sure we'll find out about today. I don't even think I've seen the lungfish. I have. You have, Max. I bet you know a lot about lungfish. I know something about lungfish that my mom told me about. Ooh, well, we're going to find out. Your mom is with us today, Dr. Irina Salinas, and she is a professor of biology at the University of New Mexico, and her specialty is lungfish. And from what I understand, she has some really interesting information to share with us about lungfish today on the Children's Hour. And by the end of the show, we are all going to know a lot more about these incredibly unique creatures. We've also got a book review of the latest in the Goodnight Stories or Rebel Girls series by our kids crew member, Nina. This is Birdsong and Eco Wonder right here on the Children's Hour. If I were a fish Swimming in the coral reef I'd flash my fancy colors At the sun Whose light shines down on me And I would thank the sun that warms the creatures of the sea and helps to grow the algae and the coral life that feed the fish. All day I'd swim and sway to the rhythm of the ocean waves and nibble on seaweed treats that are so good to eat. And if I saw a hungry shark I might hide behind a rock Or blend into the underwater world Of many colors And if I were a fish I would love to be in school With other fish a lot like me And move together through the sea And when I needed rest I'd hang out in a coral cave Or hitch a free ride on a sea turtle Who is my friend All day I'd swim and sway To the rhythm of the ocean waves And nibble on the seaweed treats That are so good to eat And if I saw a hungry shark I might behind a rock or blend into the underwater world of many colors and if I were a fish I would share the reef with octopus anemones sponges, worms, seahorses and much more and every one of us would be different from each other Oh, but we would learn to live together in our oceanic home. All day I'd swim and sway to the rhythm of the ocean waves and nibble on seaweed treats that are so good to eat. And if I saw a hungry shark, I might hide behind a rock or blend into the underwater world. 
People everywhere protect the coral reefs and keep the ocean water clean so that fish like me could have a chance to be alive and raise a family in this beautiful world under the sea. That's what I'd wish if I were a fish. If I were a fish. You're listening to the Children's Hour. I'm Katie Stone. With us today on the show is Dr. Irina Salinas. She is at the University of New Mexico in the Department of Biology. Welcome to the Children's Hour. Hi, thank you for having me. We're so happy you're here. <laughs> Your expertise is lungfish, and we realized we don't really know anything about them. So I'll let Amadeus ask our first question. What are lungfish and where do they get their name from? <laughs> so lungfish are what we call sarcopterygian fish, and they are called lungfish because they actually breathe their oxygen from the air. So they have this dual mode of living where they live in the water and they can take a little bit of oxygen from the water, but they are obligate air breathers. So they must come to the surface and gulp air, force the air into the lungs, and that's how they basically live. You mean like a whale? They like come up and... Do they spout like a whale does too? No. <laughs> no, but they are almost like a frog. If you guys have ever seen frogs breeding where they swallow the air, that's how they push it in. Interesting. Yeah, Beth. Where do lungfish live? Oh, that's a great question. So there are three genera of lungfish. There is the Australian lungfish, which is one genus. There's South American lungfish. And then, of course, the African lungfish, which are the ones we study in my lab. And I'll tell you in a minute why we specifically work with the African lungfish and not the other ones. Mm. Daniel, let me come to you. What do the lungfish eat? Well, we think that they're pretty omnivorous, so they eat a variety of things, mostly a little bit towards carnivores. So in the lab, we feed them worms, but you can also feed them pellets. I've even seen a whole mouse in a kind of like the style of a snake eating a whole mouse. Lungfish can also take a big prey like that because they can grow really big. Uh, they live up to 40 years and they can get as large Whoa. as like two meters long and they're really wide so their mouth can be quite big. What do you think are lungfish's farthest relatives? That's a great question, and that's one of the reasons why I chose to work with them when I moved here to Albuquerque, because they are the closest living taxon to all tetrapods. Do you know what a tetrapod is? No. Anyone? No. Tetra means four, and pod means leg, so these are four-legged animals. Wait, like dogs, cats, like anything with four legs? Yeah. So the first tetrapods are amphibians, and the closest animals to all tetrapods are lungfish. So you think that they are like fish, but they are more close to us than what you can even think. Wow. Speaking of their legs, I've seen that lungfish have some really thin fins comparatively to other fishes. I would think that that makes them a lot slower in the water. So why do they have such thin fins? Great question. So when you remember your very first question, what you asked me what they are, and I said they are sarcopterygian fish. Sarcopterygian is a fancy word to mean lobbed 
fin fish. So this is telling you that their limbs are very different from normal fish. And this is because they are like legs. There's a credible group who study locomotion of lungfish, and they show that those fins are acting as legs. They just use them to lift their body up off the bottom. Wow. They breathe air. Do they walk on land or do they just walk on the bottom of the water? So they walk at the bottom of the, of the substrate when they are in the swimming form. But another really cool thing, and that's why I study the African lungfish, is they can live on land. What? A fish that lives on land? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's something that I want to tell about. Yeah, tell us about it, Max. So what my mom told me is that how it protects itself from predators when it lives on land and when there's no water, it has like this weird cape on it of venom. So So like a cape of venom is on the lungfish when it's on land? And then the predators can stop it from eating it when it's on land. What Max was referring to when he said cape is what we call the cocoon. So lungfish live inside cocoons when they are outside the water, and this is how they survive what we call the estivation period. So estivation happens every year in Africa when there's no food and no water. There's the dry season. These animals don't die. What they do is that they start to secrete this mucus cocoon, and the mucus cocoon forms this case that protects the animals from desiccation. You mean like lungfish who are on land, there hasn't been rain, they're still alive in their little cocoon. Do they breathe? How do they breathe in there? Yeah, they do breathe. They have a little hole that they left. So these cocoons, they bury themselves in the mud. They make the cocoon and they leave this little hole that communicates the cocoon with the surface of the mud. Wow. They kind of do it because you have like this weird stuff on their back it's like i don't know lipids a fat on their tail and then they can eat a little bit to get some energy from it they have a fat deposit on the tail that they build up while they are still eating in fresh water and when the hard times come they can just basically use up the energy that they have stored in that piece of tissue in their tail like max just said so are they super skinny after this period Yeah, they lose a little bit of weight, but um, they lower their metabolism so much. So this estivation period, you kind of like think of the same as like hibernation, right? That state is what we call torpor. It's not full torpor because they are quickly able to reactivate their metabolism when water comes back. They're basically almost spending no energy and they do eat up their own tissues. And I'll talk a little bit more about that if you guys are interested. Mm, Yeah, we are. What are you talking about? So these animals have incredible ability to destroy their tissues and regenerate their tissues. You mean like their tissues being like their body, like their skin their guts, and all that? Their kidneys, their skin. They are basically the masters of destroying themselves. It's almost like what we call self-inflicted damage. And I give you an example. When we investigated and discovered how the cocoon is formed in the skin, the cocoon is basically formed by layer after layer after layer of the skin that gets shed by the animal. And to do that, they need to hurt themselves. The skin becomes inflamed. And that inflammation is what makes the one layer of skin to leave the animal and form the first layer of the cocoon. And then they have these amazing stem cells that are able to make the next layer. And the cocoon gets thicker and thicker the longer they are estivating. Wow. So we are learning about lungfish on the Children's Hour. 
And we're going to be back with Dr. Salinas from the University of New Mexico's biology department. She is an expert in lungfish. said in one long fish breath. The jellyfish, the jellyfish, he's sweeter than the utter fish. He's in the sandwich island searching for a peanut butter fish. The blowfish, oh, the blowfish, blowing candles out excites that fish. He'd like to go to birthday parties, but no one invites that fish. The hermit crab, the hermit crab, he's such a pinchy grabby fish. He lives alone beneath the stone, that's why he's such a grabby fish. The bluefish and the redfish fish, they're looking for the right fish fish to help them make the stars and stripes, but they can't find a whitefish fish. The flying fish, the flying fish, he's wiser than the crying fish. He flies above the fishermen so he won't be a frying fish. The tuna fish, the toony fish, her name is Juicy Lucy Fish. Says, when I'm hooked, let me get cooked. Don't turn me into sushi fish. There's muddy fish, there's messy fish, there's scale you have to deathy fish. I'll tell you more about fishy fish, but I'm all out of breathy fish. You're listening to the Children's Hour in the background, Blue Dot Sessions. Fish Breath with Shel Silverstein, performed by Pat Daly from a release called Underwater Land. And before that, artichoke from 26 Animals with Lungfish. We're learning about lungfish today on the Children's Hour with Dr. Irina Salinas from the University of New Mexico's Biology Department. You're listening to the Children's Hour, Kids Public Radio. We'll be right back. 
the Children's Hour is produced by the Children's Hour Incorporated, an educational nonprofit based in Albuquerque, New Mexico. We're listener supported at childrenshour.org. Support provided by Electric Playhouse, inviting Children's Hour listeners to get out of the cold weather and play at Electric Playhouse, featuring 16 interactive spaces with rotating games, a cafe, and a full bar. It's fun for the whole family to play and dine in a digital wonderland at Electric Playhouse in Albuquerque, New Mexico. More info at electricplayhouse.com. Support for the Children's Hour is provided by the New Mexico Museum of Natural History and Science, announcing Chocolate, the Exhibition, a multimedia science exhibit that engages the senses and traces the evolution of chocolate from a small bitter seed to the delicacy it is today. The exhibit runs through March 2023. More info at nmnaturalhistory.org. Swim three little fishies and a mama fishy too. Swim, said the mama fishy. Swim if you can. And they swam and they swam all over the dam. Boop, boop, dim, dadum, wadum, choo. Boop, boop, dim, dadum, wadum, choo. Boop, boop, dim, dadum, wadum, choo. And they swam and they swam all over the dam. Stop, said the mama fishy, or you will get lost. The three little fishies didn't want to be bossed. The three little fishies went off on a spree, and they swam and they swam right out to the sea. Boop, boop, diddum, daddum, waddum, choo. To the sea. Wee! yell the little fishies. Here's a lot of fun. We'll swim in the sea till the day is done. They swam and they swam, and it was a lark. Till all of a sudden, they met a shark. Help! Cried the little fishies. Gee, look at all the whales! And quick as they could, they turned on their tails and back to the pool in the meadow. They swam and they swam and they swam back over the dam. Swim three little duckies and a mama ducky too. Swim, said the mama ducky. Swim if you can. And they swam and they swam right up to the dam. Boop, boop, diddum, dadum, waddum, wet. Boop, boop, diddum, dadum, waddum, wet. Boop, boop, diddum, dadum, waddum, wet. They swam up to the dam. Now they might have to turn back. Stop, said the mama ducky, or you'll bump your beak. The duckies all listened when mama began to speak. She said, ducks can do something the fish can't do. And over the dam, the duckies flew. They flew over the dam, then they all flew back. From a child celebration of silliest songs put to Mayo collection, that's Shelley Duvall, an oldie but goodie, Three Little Fishies. 
You're listening to the Children's Hour, and today on the show, we're learning about lungfish, these amazing fish that can live even though there's no water. They don't have gills. They breathe, kind of like frogs. We're here today with Dr. Irina Salinas. She is from the University of New Mexico's Department of Biology, and she is an expert in lungfish. Let's go to Beth. How old are lungfish? So we think, and this is from the fossil record, these animals seem to have been around for about 400 million years, so they are very Whoa, 400 million years. I just want to pause here and think about what was happening on planet Earth 400 million years ago. That's like early dinosaurs. Is that even before dinosaurs? That I believe that is a little before dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Whoa, so they predate dinosaurs. They survived when dinosaurs did not. Why? I mean, they can stay in the water, I guess. So that's one thing. Another thing that we haven't talked about, and this is, of course, why we study them, is that they have the largest genome that has ever been sequenced on Wait, the planet. Whoa, 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 whoa. The largest genome ever sequenced on the planet is a lungfish? The biggest, by far. So it's 30 times the size of the human genome. So one of the theories, of course, is that because they live in water and land, they need to encode for every single metabolic pathway that allows you to live in water and allows you to live in, in land. But I think there's a lot more to that. The genome was only recently sequenced about a year and a half ago, and there's still a lot of research to be done to understand why they have such large genomes. Let's go to Daniel. The lungfish has been around a long time. Why didn't more fish also develop lungs like the lungfish? That's a great question. So there are many fish that have developed lungs. This is what we call convergent evolution because this acquisition of lung or air breathing in fish has been acquired multiple times during evolution. So some fish can breathe air by adapting their swim bladder to becoming an air breathing organ. Some fish can breathe air by adapting their gut Lungfish build these lungs or develop these lungs that are very different from ours in terms of the tissue they come from, but they're also very different from the examples I just gave you, like the eels and others where they use their swim bladders or other guts. How are the lungfish going to survive if there are lots of dirty trash all around them? Mm, Pollution, climate change. It seems like 400 million years Maybe they have a gene to adapt to all of these things. That's a very good question, Max. Do you guys remember how I told you that there's Australian lungfish and South American lungfish and African lungfish? The Australian lungfish, they are obligate water breathers, so they need to breathe from the water. And those are the ones that are extremely endangered because in Australia, all of the rivers are very polluted, as you can imagine, and they also have a lot of issues with drought. And so the Australian lungfish have suffered a lot from the degradation of environmental quality. And I don't think we have reports in Africa about this, but they definitely live in heavily polluted regions, Max, like Lake Victoria. Fortunately, we don't have any data that is tracking populations and abundance and impacts of human activity. That sounds like plenty of room for new biologists to study lungfish and learn a lot of new information that's just unknown about lungfish. 
So I'd really like to ask you, Dr. Salinas, about your cutting-edge research you're doing regarding this cocoon that the lungfish build around themselves so that they can survive outside of water. What have you learned about that cocoon? This is one of the things that has made me the happiest as a scientist. You know, I told you before how the cocoon has been known for a long time to protect the lungfish once they are outside of the water from desiccation. So everybody knew about that kind of physiological function, but I am an immunologist, which I haven't told you yet. An immunologist, what is that? So I'm a scientist who investigates the immune system of animals, so how we defend ourselves from pathogens like bacteria, viruses, parasites, fungi that are pathogens, right? So for me, lungfish was like the dream project because it had all of this interesting biology. And we were, of course, really curious to ask the question, how do these animals survive outside the water for so long when they can't move, when they can't escape from any danger? So they must have superpowers, right? And we immediately thought that those superpowers were in that cocoon that I told you about. Are they? Yeah. What's in the cocoon? So in other words, if they get bit by something but not killed, they'll still survive. We don't know about predators yet. I'll tell you what we know. So the first thing that we have discovered is that the cocoon is not just a way for them to prevent water loss, but it's actually some sort of like external or extracorporeal immune organ. So what we discovered in my lab last year is that the immune cells, so the cells in your body that are responsible for attacking microbes when you get infected, thousands, millions of them go to the skin as soon as the animal leaves the water and goes on land and go into the cocoon. And now you have these immune cells that are wrapping the body of the lungfish and they are there trapping bacteria so the bacteria cannot penetrate and infect the body of the animal. Oh, so like the bacteria will try to come in but the cocoon acts like a shield for its immune system. So it's actually trapping bad viruses. Yeah, Max. How hard is a cocoon? And what if a rock that was really heavy fell down on it? So the cocoon is actually pretty brittle. So that's why most of the time they're under the mud. So you don't have things falling on them. But remember, this cocoon keeps being made over and over by layer after layer. So if some layer gets damaged, this animal will be able to make another layer. So it just keeps making the layers even while it's laying there for five years on the side of the river or whatever. Yeah. So we have only studied within a few weeks of doing this. So we don't really know what's going to happen when we have them in estivation for a long time. We hope to answer this question really soon because I'm going to Africa next August to sample lungfish from the wild. And there they will be going into the dry season early May. And so by the time I get there late August, there will be at least four months into the cocoon. And then I'm going to study the cocoon and see if what we found in the lab is actually the exact same thing that is happening in the wild. Wow. That is fascinating. Dr. Irina Salinas is from the University of New Mexico's Department of Biology, and we're learning about lungfish. This is Jim Stoltz right here on the Children's Hour. Out in the wild where the water runs clean, it's clear and 
cold in the mountain stream There's a flash of a fin and a shiny gleam I said, that's not a fish, it's a submarine He's a big fat fish, a big and bold A big fat fish, he likes his water cold He's a big fat fish, a swimming about A big fat fish, he's a mighty bull trap Got an appetite, put a whale to shame Elite fisher ducks are above chow mein There's a tidal wave when he wiggles his tail If you eat that boy, he'd break your scale He's a big fat fish, a big and bold A big fat fish, he likes his water cold He's a big fat fish, a swimming about A big fat fish, he's a mighty bull Wild rivers and I think it's clear Lots of trees both far and near They keep the water cool and give it shade When he's splashing there he's got it made He's a big fat fish, a big and bold A big fat fish, he likes his water cold He's a big fat fish, a swimming about A big fat fish, he's a mighty bull Trout is one of a kind, search high and low, but you never find a mighty fish like him. A sake's alive, I keep it wild, and he will survive. He's a big fat fish, a big and bold. A big fat fish, he likes his water cold. He's a big fat fish, a swimming about. A big fat fish, he's a mighty bull trout. He's a big fat fish, he's a mighty bull trout. He's a big fat fish, he's a mighty bull It must be hard to be a fish Swimming in that little fish bowl Depending on me To keep you fed clean and gold I really want to set you free But I can't seem to do it When it comes to you and me Days I feel I'm coming close to making your life better. Found you a bigger place to live in slightly warmer weather, and it's amazing to me. Much more than I get 
This is Nina from the Children's Hour with a book report on Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls, forward by Bundy Arwen, published by Rebel Girls. Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls is a heartening array of stories about the young changemakers today, the people who are sculpting our future. This book consists of more well-known women such as Zendaya, Billie Eilish, Taylor Swift, Bindi Arwen, and Greta Thunberg, as well as many you may not know. This book also incorporates sports players, activists, entrepreneurs, conservationists, musicians, and much more. In each of these profiles, there's a portrait of the changemaker who the page is dedicated to, drawn by talented and young Jasmine. This profile also has sections on what led to their genius ideas and or motivations. All in all, this book is an amazing and inspiring book for all ages. I give this book a 4 out of 5. From the Children's Hour, this is Nina, and the book is Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls, published by Rebel Girls. Girls, girls, if girls rule the world. Girls, girls, if girls rule the world. Girls, girls, if girls rule the world. about how different our lives would be in a matriarchy oh how different girls girls think about how different our lives would be mm. our whole history oh so different girls Because we lead with love and we follow our joy. We potentially inspire not just girls but even boys. No matter how you identify, I just want to justify. If you give the girls a chance to rule the world, it could be super fly.
If Girls Rule the World is Joni Leeds from her release called All the Ladies. And before that, you heard Nina from our crew giving a review of the Rebel Girls Goodnight Stories Volume 6 on Young Changemakers. And in the background of that was Poddington Bear. Fish was before that by Milkshake. In the background, you're hearing Wookie Foot. You're listening to the Children's Hour. Dr. Irina Salinas is coming back right after the break with more about lungfish. We've posted pictures and links and so much more to childrenshour.org. Look for this episode, Lungfish. You're listening to the Children's Hour, Kids Public Radio. We'll be right back. United Way of Central New Mexico supports the Children's Hour. Outpost Performance Space in Albuquerque, New Mexico is a proud supporter of the Children's Hour. The Children's Hour is supported in part by an award from New Mexico Arts, a division of the New Mexico Department of Cultural Affairs, and the National Endowment for the Arts. Support for the Children's Hour is provided by the County of Bernalillo, New Mexico, burnco.gov. Support for the Children's Hour is also provided by the City of Albuquerque's Cultural Services Department and the Urban Enhancement Trust Fund. Support for the Children's Hour is provided by Token IBIS, a nonprofit making philanthropy accessible to everyone. To sign up, go to tokenibis.org.
Picture this, you're a fish, is Earthworm Ensemble right here on the Children's Hour. We're talking with Dr. Rina Salinas from the University of New Mexico's Department of Biology about lungfish. So in evolution, when animals have been around for 400 million years or 300 million years, they tend to change quite a bit. But I've heard that lungfish have remained almost unchanged from their beginning of their existence to where they are now. So why is that? I think for evolution to happen, you have to have quite a lot of diversity to begin with, right? You need to have diversity of genes to select. And I think because there has been so few species and perhaps, you know, not that many, the populations are not that big. That could be one of the reasons. Another one is that perhaps this solution or living in both water and land, you know, it required this, you know, suite of genes and suite of pathways to be encoded and Perhaps you cannot deviate much more from that to be successful under such extreme conditions, but that is a very good question. And maybe it's just like a winning formula. Mm -hmm. Like maybe there's no reason to change much Mm -hmm. because it's such a successful adaptation to so many different climates and Mm -hmm. so many different situations. Max? Can the lungfish resist the light a lot? That's a Great question. Remember now UV light. UV light is dangerous, right? Like it's what makes a sunburn. Exactly. And these animals Mm -hmm. are in the water where UV light is usually not a problem because it gets absorbed as it goes to the water column. But as soon as the water starts to go away and they start to form the cocoon, they are exposed to UV. We identify quite a lot of factors that would be protecting the animal in the cocoon. So when we look at the cocoon and we compare what's in the cocoon versus what's in just the mucus when they are swimming in the water, that cocoon did have a lot of anti-cancer genes, cancer molecules, uh, UV protectant molecules. So that is really interesting. Wow. You're talking about anti-cancer genes and this incredible cocoon. It's like a sunscreen, it's like an antibacterial, it's like an antiviral, it's anti-cancer. Is there an application? Could it be used for people trying to recover from cancer? Is there any medical way that this cocoon could be imitated for humans to somehow help us? Yeah, so we are thinking of at least two lines of application. The first one is that antimicrobial function that I told you. So it can trap the bacteria. We found all of these 
molecules called antimicrobial peptides that are expressed in the skin and they are found in the cocoon. And we still don't know, but those antimicrobial peptides are great alternatives to antibiotics. And we can test them against any human pathogen you can imagine to see if they can kill bugs that are important for human health. So that's one thing. That's huge. Yeah. And then the second application, which we haven't talked about, is this ability, like I told you, to damage their skin or their gut or any of their organs and then regenerate. And tissue regeneration is a huge problem for humans because we are not able to regenerate our tissues once we become adults. So one of the things that we are really excited about is these stem cells that we have found in the skin of lung fissure. It has these massive amounts of cells that look like our embryonic cells that can make any cell type. And that layer is like a carpet of stem cells in the skin of lung fissure is able to regenerate the skin again when the water comes back, right? So imagine now you are in the dry season, rain starts to fall, the animal sense that it's raining again, and soon there's going to be enough water for the animal to swim again. It's going to build up a whole new skin that looks like the skin that was before and is identical to the one that was before. There's no scar tissue there. And that's what we really want to understand in my lab so that we can unlock those superpowers of these stem cells and apply them to organ and tissue repair in humans. That's amazing stem cells. We're talking lungfish with Dr. Irina Salinas from the University of New Mexico's biology department. Yeah, Daniel. Do lungfish have some of the best regenerative abilities in the world? I think so. It hasn't been well studied. What has been studied is similar to like lizards and axolots where you can clip the fins. If you clip those, they will grow again. So that has been studied and that is what we call blastema formation. So they form this kind of little apical group of cells that will regrow the limb. But we are the only ones who have seen it from this other physiological perspective, which is what happens every season during the estivation period. Because like I said, they destroy kidneys, gut, skin. So they just totally regenerate every single organ in their body in that year that they're hibernating. Yep. And they need to do it, let's say, if you live 30 years, you're doing it for 30 years of your life. And so this tells us the fact that they can live for 30 years is that aging is not really impacting the ability for them to regenerate. They are successful at regenerating even when they get old. But we believe that these are the best animals where we can study regeneration. Yeah. Great question. That is amazing. What if the lungfish swallowed like something kind of sharp whilst it was swimming? What would happen? So that's a good idea because that's just a model for tissue damage, right? You will, let's say, hurt your throat, your gut. It will get a rip in there. And these animals have stem cells there, so they will be able to regrow it. It's a similar capacity to just repair any tissue. That's amazing. They're almost indestructible. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. Maybe our next superheroes should all look like lungfish. I agree. We've got pictures posted at childrenshour.org. Look for this episode, Lungfish. Dr. Irina Salinas from the University of New Mexico School of Biology, an immunologist and a biologist. Thank you so much for being with us on the Children's Hour. Thank you for having me. It was such a pleasure. So much fun. Thank you, guys. Thank you. This is Trout Fishing in America, right here on the Children's Hour. It's a fine, fine day, and a fine day it is. It's a good thing cows can't fly. 
It's a fine, fine day, and a fine day it is. The fish swim backwards in the sky. Yes, the fish are swimming backwards in the sky. Roll on the rollers, skate on the skates. A kiss on the kisser, a date for the dates. Humdy dum dum, dum de do do. Barefoot dancing in the snow. The bear does a foot dance in the snow. Good afternoon, afternoon it is. What's good about goodbye? Good afternoon, afternoon it is. The fish swim backwards in the sky. Yes, the fish are swimming backwards in the sky. Over here I overheard. First comes second, then comes third. Humdy dum dum. Don't hold hands with a cactus tree. Don't hold hands with a cactus tree. It's a quiet night, and a quiet night it is. Shadows are stealing the light. It's a quiet night, and a quiet night it is. The fish swim backwards in the sky. Yes, the fish are swimming backwards in the sky. Roll on the rollers, skate on the skates. A kiss on the kisser, a date for the dates. Humdy dum dum, dum de do do. Barefoot dancing in the snow. The bear does a foot dance in the snow. Fish Swim Backwards in the Sky is Trout Fishing in America from their kids' CD, Chicken Joe Forgets Something Important. In the background, Robert Farmer. You're listening to the Children's Hour. Today, we've been learning about lungfish. And our guest, Dr. Salinas, gave us some great photos and a video from her lab. You can see all of that at childrenshour.org. Look for this episode, Lungfish. And while you're at our website, you'll find that we've redone it. It's brand new. There you can find so much about us, including hundreds of podcasts. And you can see a station map where you can see the more than 140 radio stations that air the Children's Hour every single week. All of that information is at childrenshour.org. We've got time for one more. We're going to go out with an oldie but goodie. This is coming off of a release called The Best of Taj Mahal. This is the Fish and Blues song. Thanks for listening to the Children's Hour. We'll catch you next time. Bet you going fishing all of the time. Baby going fishing too. Bet your life, your sweet wife, catch more fish than you. 
Many fish bites if you got good bait. Oh, here's a little tip that I would like to relate. Many fish bites if you got good bait. I'm a going fishing, yes, I'm going fishing, and my baby going fishing too. I went on down to my favorite fishing hole, baby, grab me a pole and line. Throw my pole on and caught a nine-pound catfish. Now you know I brought him home for supper time. Proving any fish bites if you got good bait. Here's a little tip that I would like to relate. Many fish bites if you got good bait. I'm a going fishing, yes, I'm going fishing, and my baby going fishing too. Baby brother about to run me out of my mind, say can I go fishing with you? I took him on down to the fishing hole, now what do you think that he did do? Pull a great big fish out the bottom of the pond, now he laughed and jumped cause he was real gone. Many fish bites if you got good bait, I'm a going fishing, yes I'm going fishing, and my baby going fishing too. Baby, put him in the pan, honey, cook him till he's nice and brown. Make a batch of buttermilk, cold cakes, mama, and chew them things and then jump them on down. Singing any fish bites if you got good bait. Here's a little tip that I would like to relate. Many fish bites if you got good bait. I'm a going fishing, yes, I'm going fishing, and my baby going fishing to play the blues. That I would like to relate. Many fish bites if you got good bait. I'm a going fishing, mama's going fishing, and the baby going fishing too. The Children's Hour is produced by the Children's Hour Incorporated, a New Mexico nonprofit. Our show was written by Katie Stone with lots of help from all of us on the kids' crew. You can find photos, links, learn-along guides, and more about us at childrenshour.org. Many thanks to Dr. Irina Salinas from the University of New Mexico's Biology Department for being with us on the show today. We had production help today from Eli Henley. Find our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts or go to our patreon.com slash thechildrenshour. Or ask your smart speaker to play the Children's Hour podcast. We post our photos and more on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Find us at TCH Radio. Our theme music was written by C.K. Barlow. The Children's Hour is distributed by PRX, the Public Radio Exchange, and by the Pacifica Radio Network. Thanks for listening to the Children's Hour, Kids Public Radio.